0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I will build the house of God. A place where people will gather and witness his beauty. A place for my children and their children to grow. place of sanctuary. His eyes are always on his house, and his heart is in it. The house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. The house which we will build will be great, for our God is great. for his house.
1: Yeah. Praise God. Amen. So, I feel like you should start that football song on over again because I got ready to preach. That song <laughs> stirs me up to preach. Amen. Hallelujah. Good to see all of you here today. Uh, honored. Honored to that you're here today. And uh, obviously, we're missing something some big part of our service, which is my wife. And you might not be missing her as much as I am, but this is miserable now. T- two weeks tomorrow, she comes home from Europe, so I'm going to be happy to see Heather, Joe, and uh, and and feel like I know what I'm doing again. Because when she's telling me what to do, I feel empowered. <laughs> that I know exactly what's going on, but when she's not here, geez. What do I do with these kids again? We've got, to, we've got to feed them again? Didn't we just do that yesterday? Or? But yeah, it just keeps up. And laundry, have mercy. <laughs> learning learning some very important lessons right now. Uh, but be praying for Heather as she's uh, flying home, and she sends you her love, and uh, thank God. She'll be here, and everything will be back in order again. So I'm I'm happy about that. Um, I want us to take our Bibles and, and turn to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, as we began our series uh, last week called Heart for His House. Um, I'm very excited about this, this message and uh, excited about today's part as well. Uh, but I got to share this with you. These two boys were walking home from church and uh, after hearing a strong message about the devil, so one of them says to the other, he says, what do you think about all this Satan stuff? His friend says, uh, well, you know how Santa Claus turned out. It's, it's probably just your dad. Mm. Okay. All right. Last week, we began this series by looking at the lives of two kings. It would have been funnier if I would have said, your mom? Your mom. All right. We looked at the lives of these two kings King David and King Asa. And we saw that these two kings had had something in common, something that the Bible spoke about them and their and their heart for the Lord. One, David said, how is it? he's 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 got peace all around now and he's he's reigning in Israel as their king and and God has given him peace all around and and he realizes something that he says, how am I sitting in this beautiful house but God is dwelling in a tent? I want to build God a house, and and God was so pleased, and he told David, David, you did well in that you wanted to build me a house. However, you personally cannot build this house because you've shed way too much blood in warfare, and so David did whatever he could in making preparations for the house, and his son Solomon would be the one who would ultimately erect this great, great structure in the earth called the house of God, and and David said, the thing about this house, it must be magnificent, it must be glorious, it must be famous throughout all the earth, throughout all the nations, and so he made abundant provisions before his death, and he brought in all kinds of provisions for the house of God, hundred um, 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, bronze and iron, without measure, the scripture says. And they had all these workmen, these stone cutters and these craftsmen, all of them ready and available to do the work of the house. And he even told Solomon, he said, of gold and silver and iron, there, there is no limit, son. So do, do it big and do it marvelous. And he did. Solomon did. And, and after Solomon, and, and then Asa, sorry, uh, was another king that we looked at. And that he, the scripture says that his heart was loyal to the Lord all the days of his life. And then he also brought provisions in for the house of God, gold and silver and utensils. He and his father had brought these things in. And so by looking at those two kings, we discovered a really powerful truth. Something that is that we can take into our own lives. And that is a heart for God translates to a heart for god 's house, a heart for God translates to a heart for god 's house. Both of them were vibrant and passionate about the house of god and God even told said of David that he is a man after my own heart, glorious, glorious things that were in these men 's hearts for the Lord and seen by their love for the house but uh, uh, then the Lord, like I said, was well pleased with David's desire. So now Solomon has built the house, and he has consecrated it to the Lord, and he's prayed. And then the Lord came and appeared to Solomon, and I want you to hear what God says to him. He says, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built to put my name there forever. My, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Where? In the house. My eyes will be on the house and my heart will be in the house perpetually. The the message says my eyes are on it and my heart is in it always. Beautiful. But you know, it's interesting. That that temple, Solomon's temple is as grand and glorious and beautiful as it was. In 586 BC, the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem and they destroyed that temple. And then Ezra and Nehemiah did the work of rebuilding the, the city, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls. And then even Herod later on, who, the, the Herod who tried to kill baby Jesus, would extend that temple and make it more like a city within a city. It would increase it. And, and it was really magnificent. And one day Jesus and his disciples were walking by this marvelous structure and they were in awe of it and they were talking about all of its beauty and its architecture. And Jesus said, don't, don't, don't be wowed by that. He said, I'm telling you, not one stone will be left on another of this place. And and in A.D. 70, Jesus' prophecy literally became true after he had died, was buried, and rose again, and ascended to heaven. uh, uh, Titus, Titus with the the Roman army, marched into Jerusalem, and they burned that temple and, and dismantled stone from stone. Jesus' prophecy was right on. And because the reason they dismantled is because the, after they'd caught fire, that the gold began to melt that was in the the architecture of the the ceiling and the walls, and it ran down to the cracks. And so they were ordered to dismantle every stone from another so that they could retrieve all the gold. How did God not know that that would happen when he said, my eyes would be here and my heart will be here always? Sure, he saw that coming. So he wasn't just Speaking of that itself, there was something back of it that God was seeing that they didn't see. It's something that you and I all see today because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection. We now have revelation and understanding that they didn't have. And that was what Paul the Apostle taught us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when he's giving instructions to his son Timothy on about how he should conduct himself in the house of God. And he said, which is the church of the living God the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. My family, God was talking about you. He, his eyes would be on you and his heart would be with you all the days of your life because now God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in us called the temple of the Holy Ghost. The scripture says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God Almighty has so purified you and made you holy that he feels comfortable, very comfortable to move right on the inside of you and live in you. Even in that imperfect flesh. Even in that flesh that doesn't want to please God. There ain't nothing about your flesh that wants to please God. It only wants to please me. Right? But in your spirit, the scripture says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And as holy as God is, so are you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We just got to convince this flesh of it on a daily basis. Amen. And that's the fight. That's the struggle, right? That's what separates the men from the boys and the women from the little girls. So... We understand that today, now, here in this assembly, this, this gathering of God's people, this is, this is the pleasure of his heart. This is, we are the apple of his eye, the object of his affection. Hallelujah. He is well pleased with what he sees here today because he sees here a demonstration. What this is, just a very small demonstration of heaven itself where all those who call upon the name of the Lord, all the children of God will be with him forever and ever and ever. So all around the world right now, All around the world are little pockets, little gatherings of heaven, little reflections of heaven, and all of God's pleasure is seen in you. When we gather together, all of you individual members all make up a body. Hallelujah. And you're vital to this place. You being here is extremely important. Now let's go to Genesis 28 uh, because I think it's important that we actually read some Scripture. Verse 10 And we're going to look at the life of this this experience that Jacob had. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Now, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What a... What a marvelous dream this guy's having, right? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold... I am with you. Let me remind you today that God is with you. God is with you. He says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, meaning house of God. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture. Your word is alive and its powerful And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we're here to receive from your word today. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open, Lord. We say yes. Sow that seed into our lives. We want to see your word produce its life in our life. Hallelujah. Your scripture teaches us that your word is life to those who find it. And it is health to all of their flesh. So we receive the word and its effect in our lives now. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for the church that we, you called us, you chose us to be members of the body of Christ. We are blessed by that in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give our attention to, for a few minutes here, in in verse 16, it says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I did not know it. You know, unfortunately, I've had the same kind of experience, and maybe you've had the same kind of experience, especially if you've been in church for many years. I was raised in church, being a pastor's son, and, and being there uh, all the time. So there were times, unfortunately, that I took the gathering of God's people in the house of God for granted. I made kind of approached it casually. You know, as a kid, I went just so I wouldn't get whipped. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, for, for the most part. Because back then, we didn't have cool stuff like kids' church. This, is, this was our kids' church, right? My mom would let us bring coloring books to church, and we'd lay under the pews during the service, and we would color in our coloring books. That was kids' church back then. So you've got it so much better today. Our kids have it so much better today. And, you know, and if, if we got to fighting or anything under there, then mom would happily pick us up and take us out of church during the church and whip us right out in the front yard of the church. Take, make us take our belts off and whip us with our own belt. Now that's humiliating, right? Huh? True story, happened many times. And then after church was over, because we got to whip it in church, then dad would whip us again at home. That's no fun. Got to whip, same, same rule. You got to whip it at school, you got to whip in at home too. I'm like, we already got whipped. Why would, you, why would you whip us again? I don't remember what I was talking about now. <laughs> Just reliving all that pain. <laughs> My parents used to get asked how come your kids are so well-behaved? Dad says, you sure you want to know? Because uh, this isn't for the squeamish. <laughs> um, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So, you know, a lot of times going to church was out of uh, requirement or duty, And but then when I got into my teenage, actually, I was called of God at the age of 10. I had a real powerful experience, and it's, and I knew that I was marked, I was set apart at that, at that moment. It was one of the most amazing moments in my life sitting in church. I remember that more than the day I got saved, more than the day I started speaking in tongues, more than I, the day I got water baptized. I mean, it was such a marvelous moment. You've heard me tell the story, and I'll tell it again some other time. For Larry, you and I, will talk about it, bud. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but then I got, became a teenager, right? And you know all the kind of things that's going through going on in your body, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, You think about one thing, after a while you get real focused, and it's girls. And uh, that calling somewhere got clouded and kind of went to the back of my head, and then my reason for going to church was, girls. So I think about the times being in church where God was there, right? He's there in the midst of his people, and I didn't know it. And I didn't realize it. And I didn't acknowledge it. Things that he wanted to say to me. Things he wanted to impart to me. But my heart wasn't set to receive from him. Because my mind was set on other things. Are you hearing me today? Amen. So this, this was David's, I mean, uh, Jacob's realization. The Lord was in this place. And guess where I was? I was asleep. I wasn't awake to that. I wasn't aware that God was here. And I didn't know it. Lord, help us to always... Approach the house of God, to come to the house of God fully aware that God is in this place because he is in this place. The fact that you're here means that he's here. And he has something to reveal to you and he has something to give to you. He has something to, to show you and he also has something to receive from you and I. Amen. There's, a, there's an exchanging of love that happens here. Hallelujah. He has help for you here today. I like, I like to see those who grab a hold really see it, you know, and because it's, it's interesting that once, like, it's like a, a switch gets flipped. When someone really catches their, the cause of Christ, that's why we're called One Cause Church, based on John 18:37, when Jesus stood before Pilate and said, for this cause I was born. It was for this cause I came into the world. And he was talking about his hour where he would take our sins, march him up to that cross, and die for all of our sins. Hallelujah. Shed his own precious blood so that we would all today be sin free. Free from the tyranny and the bondage of sin and death. Hallelujah. But now given the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen today? Hallelujah. So I'm grateful to God for that. But I love to see those who really get it, who catch the cause, who who are moved by the cause of Christ, who come into the house of God, they approach it a whole different way. They come ready. They come ready to serve. They can't wait to worship. They come ready to give something. They come ready to pour out because they have an understanding. It was Christ who died for them. We owe him our lives. I want to do everything I can for him and my heart for him will be reflected in how I approach the house of God. It will be seen in how I see the church and my involvement there and my excitement about it and what I can do, what I can contribute. Because all of you, like I said, are all individual members of the body, all of you. And you know what? When you're not here, not only do you miss out, but others miss out. They miss out on something from you, a gift from you, something that you could bring that you didn't even know you had probably. But you being here is so powerful. Like, you don't even understand what's going on in your own body right now, but all these individual members and parts are bringing supply and receiving from each other and giving to each other. It's how the body thrives and works. And it's it's automatic for you. You don't even think about those things, but it's all happening. Right? And it's all extremely important. You'll figure out real quick when one part quits doing what it's supposed to do. Right? Right? You figure it out real quick. You notice that, but when it's all functioning... It's, it's, it's easy to take advantage of is all I'm saying. Amen. Amen. Has this ever happened to you? I know this has happened to me because I've been in church all my life. Miss one Sunday, right? You miss a church service for, for whatever reason, and only to hear somebody call me or tell me, you missed the best church service. Man, this happened. God moved mightily. On. You're like, really? Am I the problem then? So being here is extremely important, you being here. Because you just there are these God encounters, these God moments, and and you just and and you and you really, really don't know exactly how it's going to impact you or affect you, but I can, I can guarantee you this that God is always here. And He will always, always deposit something into your life to enrich it every time. Every time. But if we're not awake to it, if we're not aware, then we'll just kind of come in and out without really experiencing the power of what he wants to do. Amen. This is Jacob's realization. My goodness, he was in this place, and I did not know it. Look at verse 17, and he was afraid. Look at that. Jacob was afraid. So when I saw that, that he was afraid, I thought, well, what made Jacob afraid? So then I backed up a little bit to verse 13. Let's look at that. Let's see what what made Jacob afraid of this month? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Is that anything to be afraid of there? No, it sounds pretty good, actually. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow. That did not sound... The only person I think that should be scared of that would be his wife. That's a lot of babies, but Jacob ought to be. Yeah, I like this. All right, verse sixteen or fifteen. Behold, I am with you. You see this? He's not telling you you're on your own. He's saying, "I am with you, wherever, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land." For I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Man, this is all really good stuff. What's David afraid of? I mean, what's Jacob afraid of? Right? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your kids. You're going to expand and increase in every direction. Glory to God. Uh, this land that I'm giving you, this real estate here. And by the way, I'm with you every step of the way. And I'm not going to finish until you've accomplished what I've called you to accomplish. I'm with you all the way to it. Wow. Why is he afraid? This, look at the very next thing he says. Surely the Lord was in this place. And I did not know it. Verse 17. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. In other words, Jacob is full of awe and wonder. This isn't a tormenting kind of fear. This is this is a really good fear. This is a, a that God would pick him out at this moment, that God would take the time to come and speak to him personally and declare these amazing things over his life. You know, it's one thing to hear some good things from a guy like me, a man right, or even a friend that would encourage you, and I love all those kinds of things, but God himself shows up. I mean, surely Jacob had heard his grandfather, Abraham, talk about that time that, that God appeared to him and said, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And he said, well, what are you going to give me, seeing that I don't have any kids? And, and Abraham, Grandpa Abraham telling him, watch this. Uh, 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 God took me outside of my tent and said, look at the stars. That so will your descendants be. And, uh, you know, Jacob must have thought, wow, God talked to Abraham. God talked to my grandpa and said that he's going to have life. And then his Father Isaac, same story. God appeared to Isaac and told him, in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth are going could be, that same blessing was upon him. Surely Jacob heard him tell that story too. But to have Abraham tell him and Isaac to tell him is one thing, but then God himself show up, now it's for real. And pronounce the very same thing and Jacob is in awe of this moment. In awe of this moment. In awe. This is an awesome place. How awesome is this place. And look what he says. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Wow. Wow. This is the gate of heaven, So what does that mean for us? And when he says that, you know, he would bless Abraham and he would bless Isaac, he would bless Jacob, all with the same, what does that, how does that relate to us here in 2015? I'll tell you how it relates to you. It, it relates very much to you because Galatians chapter 3, Paul unfolds this revelation to us about this very thing. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us. From the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing, you see this? Blessing of Abraham might come upon who? Just shout me. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon you. That very same blessing that God just spoke to Jacob. Here, I will bless you, I will increase you. In you, the families of the earth, you're, you're going to expand in every direction. That blessing is on you. Right? What is our response to that blessing? Hopefully it's, how awesome is this? How awesome is this place that God would bless me in that way? Not because I've earned it, but because that's what he wanted to do. That he chose you, he picked you out, he made you a member of his body, he set you in the body as he willed and said, go, fulfill your purpose. And I'm with you wherever you go, and I'm not going to stop until I, who began that work, will complete that work in you. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. God showed us all his part. Our part is through faith. His part, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Your part is, I believe that. I believe that. That's my part. I believe that. I receive that. Amen. It's how Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. All these men had to believe it before they received it. Amen. You receive this blessing through your faith. I was telling the earlier service that, how many of you have ever been to Six Flags before? I like Six Flags. I, I have a particular ride that, that I like, a roller coaster called the Titan. You know what the Titan is, right? Scariest thing ever. But you got to keep going back to it because it's so fun at the same time. I remember the first time I rode that ride thinking that, you know, you're not gonna survive this event, but at least you're gonna go out happy, you know? And, but you do survive, you go, wow, let's go through all that again. And it's, and it's a marvelous ride, and I, and I highly recommend that if you do ride it, it it's kind of a catch-22, because and maybe not so much anymore. Maybe some of the newness is worn off, but it, when it was brand new and went, and so we, got, we went to the park right when it opened and ran right over to that ride, right? So that you don't have to wait in a long line. But the problem is, if you ride it first, Everything else is eh. It's just not that great because as far as I'm concerned, that's the biggest thrill there. And when I was a kid, the shockwave was the big 3 Y'all remember the shockwave, right? The double loop, the double loop roller coaster and you, and you don't fall out of the car? I can remember as a kid. I mean, I wouldn't even ride that. My parents wouldn't even let me ride. They were scared of it uh, as a kid. I would see that thing and go, whoa, shocking. But after you ride the Titan, it's not so shocking. It's like, eh, no big deal, two loops. So, the house of God, the house of God, if you will see it as the greatest thrill in your life, the most thrilling thing that you can do is to be a part of the house, to be a part of the gathering of believers. Because when you think about it, compared to that, everything else really is quite ordinary. You know, a few extra hours of work that you could put in or a couple hours of sleep. That you, what could that do that the house of, how does that even compare to what you get accomplished or what happens in your life in the house of God? Yeah. Now, I'm not here throwing rocks at anybody, all right? I, I understand that, you know, my wife's been out of church for two weeks now. So, you know, I, I don't know what to do about that. But anyway, all I'm saying is is that, is that, that lifestyle of being in the house the lifestyle of it, uh, this is the greatest thing that you can do with your life. Because it's here that you're truly connected to your eternal purpose. It's here, here where you realize that you are of this world. You're in this world, I should say, but you're not of this world. This helps us be reminded that we're citizens of another city, another kingdom, another place, citizens of heaven. And it looks different than what's out there. Right, it, it just feels different. We operate differently, but we take what we have here and we bring it to the world. That's what Jesus said. We are those who declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we don't do that, my family, it's not going to happen. God's depending on us as the church to make that declaration, right? To show heaven on earth. Hallelujah. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, Jacob said, the gate of heaven. Don't you love that? The gate of heaven. See, this is what the church's main purpose is to see that people walk through that gate. All right, this is why we're here, to connect people to God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the place where men and women and children come and they hear the gospel and they believe it and immediately the gate is open. At that moment, they are be- become a new creation. At that moment, a miracle takes place, a miracle birth. Old things are gone, new things have come, and eternal life is theirs. In a moment, in just an instant, glory to God. That happens in the house. It's the gate of heaven. And we want to do what we can in this city, in this area, to make sure, to make sure, to minimize how many people don't walk through that gate. We don't want anybody finding their way to hell from McKinney. We want them going through the gate to heaven. Can I get a good amen? I mean, there's some great reasons why the church is here, but the number one reason is, let me remind us of our mission here, of our cause, and that is that the Lord Jesus Christ earned every soul of man by his precious blood being shed. He earned it. He earned all of us. The scripture says we've been bought at a price. He earned you. He deserves you because of what he did for you. He deserves you. He deserves your life. He deserves to be your Lord. He deserves to be your Savior. So us going to heaven is not a reward for what we've done. Us going to heaven is his reward. You are all his trophies. You're all his reward for the work that he accomplished. And so what our mission is, is to help bring as many people to him to get Jesus as much of his reward as we can. All right? That's why we're here. Because he did that for us. He did all the work. And we enjoy the benefits of his reward. Glory to God. And in so doing that, what's so glorious about this? In so doing that, we get rewards in heaven. I mean, isn't heaven enough, right? But then God, He, he sweetens the deal. All right, you're in the family, you've got eternal life, and you're going to be with me forever. But there's some, there's some prizes. Still, there's some rewards yet to, be, yet to be earned, yet to be received, and you do those through good works. Amen. Because after all, we are living our lives for eternity, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I've shown you this before. I'll show you again. I want to take just a moment and just give you a little illustration. Mm-hmm. If I can engineer this right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. I you imagine... Just imagine, imagine just a moment that this microphone, the length of this microphone, represents your lifespan here on the earth, all right? And this cord represents eternal life, all right? I want you to imagine that this, this just goes on and on and on and on and on and on, on and on and on and on. But here's your life here on the earth. Here's your life. Isn't it beautiful? So you have this life, and, and you're going to spend, in the average, average life here, especially in the United States, you're going to spend 65 years or so working toward this part of life called retirement. All right? We're doing all this for this right here. And we're hoping that we survive till we get here. And we're hoping once we get here that we survive a while, that we can enjoy this part of our life that we've been saving up for and we've been you know and so then, then, then that next hopefully 20 plus years is, is rest. But this compared to this, it's almost insane if you think, if you think about it from the spiritual level, that it's utter insanity. When we have a whole life we're going to be living after this life. And we get one shot to store up for ever and ever and ever. See, doesn't that make your days seem a bit more purposeful? You being here and what you're doing in those days. Because let me remind you, every day that you have is a gift from God. You know, you woke up this morning. There were some people who didn't. Right? You woke up today, though. You're here. And this is a gift. Every breath you take into those lungs is a gift from Almighty God. What you exhale is a gift back to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. So, what are we living for? The church helps us remember our eternal purpose. That we are everlasting beings. And that we are in Christ. We're living for Him. We're living for eternity. And there's so much more to life than a good retirement. And I think you all should have a good retirement. Please don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that's not everything. All right? What are we storing up now? Because the rewards that you're storing up now for eternity last for eternity. That's the cool thing. It lasts for eternity. The stuff that you acquire in this life, as I've told you before, that you've worked hard for and obtained, and wow, I mean, it took struggle and 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 trials and all those kinds of things, and saving up and and purchasing these things. When you die, your kids aren't going to care a thing about those things. They're going to sell them for pennies on the dollar at a garage sale. They're going to drag it all out. And what was so precious and you had to have at that moment? Guess what? It withers away. It's It corrodes. It rusts. But Jesus said, store up for treasures in heaven where nothing can affect it. There is no corrosion. There are no things that can eat away. There is no rust. Hallelujah. You got these things for good. Amen. So uh, that's why I love being in the house of God. It reminds me of who I am. What we're really here for. We go out in this world, it, it can quickly, you can lose focus on that, especially if you turn on, especially if you watch the presidential debate the other night. I mean, if Donald Trump, we're living at a time when Donald Trump might be our president. Folks, we got some trouble in this world. I mean, we, <laughs> wow. You're fired. Well, whatever. I'm just glad, all I'm saying is, I'm just glad that our lives don't depend on that, you know, on how, how good things are going in the political world, because we are of a kingdom that is not of this world, thank the Lord. So, and this, this you know, there are a lot of traditions, a lot of trivial tr- traditions we get caught up in so many trivial traditions, right? But this is one of the greatest traditions that you can have in your life is being in the house, being in the church. It enriches, they, you know, it's, it's proven fact that people who regularly go to church live longer, yeah. have happier marriages. You know, you can be married and be happy at the same time. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think a lot of that has to do with being in church. I really do. Right. You can have children and be happy too. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. But the house of God helps us, from like I said, reminds us, and it's, it's such a rich tradition. But, you know, then the church has traditions in it, too, that kind of jack up the, the enriching part of, 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 of the, you know, being in the house. Uh, uh, you guys might remember me talking about this some time ago, but I was thinking about, like, just, you ever question why we do what we do? You know, just think about the everyday things, like, somebody sneezes, and what do you, have, what do you say? God bless you. Why do you say that? Why do you say, and, then, and then think about this. If you don't say it in time, like a few seconds goes by and you think, I want to say bless you, but it's too much time gone by now. And then you feel guilty about, oh, I didn't say bless I, Right? And then you get all wrapped up in this guilt and, and like, who started this stupid tradition? Now I'm all caught up in it. I mean, it's not a bad thing to say bless you, but you can say bless you to people if they don't sneeze. And by the way, when someone sneezes, just I want, I'll get a little graphic with you. That stuff that's coming out of their nose is traveling at 214 miles an hour. Who really needs the blessing? The sneezer should say, bless you, bless you, I'm so sorry, I just threw all that stuff all over you. Bless you, no bless you. Why am I blessing the guy who's throwing his sickness over on me? Potential, <laughs> I don't know. Things I question, wonder about these trivial traditions that we have and where in the world do they come from and how do we get caught up in this stuff? Because we are habitual in nature and God has created us in a way that if we'll, if we'll grab a hold of the good traditions, the right kinds of traditions, then our lives will increase, our lives will be blessed. All right, And this house, the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth is, is where we is where we experience the kind of life that god has called us to live think about that the pillar and ground of the truth if this is where it happens and think about what truth does for your life jesus said it makes you free and not only does the truth make you free but my family you keep coming it'll keep you free it'll keep you free amen let's stand together father Thank you for all of these that are here today. Thank you for my family. Thank you for our special guests here today who have come to see what we're all about. I pray, God, that they have had a good experience in your house today. I pray that their lives have been encouraged and blessed and strengthened. Father, thank you for this moment here, God, as we are here together, thanking you for the church, thanking that you called us out of darkness and you brought us into your marvelous light. Thank you that you saved us from our sins. Thank you that you would not leave us lost and without hope, but God, you became a man. The Word became flesh, and you dwelt among us because you realized we would never be able, ever be able to attain to your holy standard. We'd never be able to do it because we were broken. So, Father, you knew that we could never be like you, so then you became like us, and in so doing, (laughs) you made us like you. Thank you for that great exchange. That Christ became sin and we became the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ became a curse and we became blessed. Christ became poor and we became rich. Christ became wounded and we became healed. Hallelujah. He became the Son of Man so that we would become the sons of God. What a glorious exchange. I thank you for the gospel that saves us. It's a message that has come from God to us. Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day from the dead. Believe on him and you will be saved. If you're here today and you know that that's you, you've you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never received him as your Savior and Lord. I want to invite you to believe him today. Believe and receive Him into your heart. Receive Him into your life. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I believe that You died for me. I accept that You died for me. I believe that You rose from the dead. And I believe in Your work that only You made it possible for me to have a right relationship with God. There's nothing I can do. It's only by grace. Through faith. Come to Him today. Those of you that are weary and Those of you that are tired, those of you you that are carrying heavy burdens, let those things go today. Receive His strength. Receive His peace. Receive His help right now. The Scripture says He has a strength that will cause you to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint, to mount up with wings like eagles. He is on your side. You might feel alone right now in your situation, but I'm here to tell you God is with you wherever you go, and He is on your side. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of sickness in your body, some kind of chronic pain. I want to remind you today that Jesus Christ, His body was broken so that your body would be healed. Receive what He came to give you. Don't settle with that stuff. Don't think that it is from Him. And don't think it's something you're going to have to deal with the rest of your life. I want to encourage you to fight by faith. Accept only what God has said. Accept only what God came to bring you. It might take a few days. Heck, it might take years. But won't it be worth it? Won't it be worth it? Receive what He came to give you. Believe on Him. Some of you may be today, your heart, your, in your life, you've found yourself, even though you believe in Jesus, yet you've not been fully submitted to Him. You've you began to do things your own way. You've been caught up by the distractions of this world. Come back to Him. He has grace and mercy for you. He's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He's longing for you. His arms are wide open to you. He wants to help you. He's just saying, give me a chance. Come to me. I'll help you. He does not count your sins against you. He accounted your sins to Jesus. He blamed Jesus for every wrong thing you've ever done. And today, in Christ, he credits you with righteousness. Glory to God. So be free in that. Be free. The Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Just as easily as it gets you off course, you can lay it aside by his grace in his power. Thank you, Lord, for freedom in this house today. Thank you for healing in this place today. Thank you, Lord God, for restoring lives. Lord, thank you for repentance today, that minds are being changed. Lord, thank you, Lord, for hearts that are swelling for you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that old things are gone and new things have come, that we believe that from this day forward, it gets better. From this day forward, we're stronger. From this day forward, Lord, we have another, a greater revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory, and we live accordingly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.